Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, PCC. How are you? Okay, that was a little leak. How are we doing this morning? There we go. All right. Well, my name is Hannah Nielsen, and I am the middle school pastor here at PCC, and I am so delighted to be with you here this morning. Fun fact about this Sunday, it is actually my one-year anniversary at PCC. Somehow, some way, they told me I could speak, so we're going to see how that goes. But if you've been with us for the past couple weeks, we have been in this series about together, responding to his great love. But my question for us this morning is, what is love? It's kind of a hard thing to describe. And so to help me out this morning, I've decided to bring up some experts to help us out with a little game show I like to call, What is Love? So experts, come on up. Give them a clap. Woo! All right, my friends. Yes, stand right here, right next to me. All right, friends. So I need you to tell all the people what your name is. So what is your name? My name is Naomi. Naomi. Give a clap for Naomi. And what is your name? My name is Leah. Leah. And, oh, another important thing we should find out. What grade are you going into? I'm going into fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah, we could clap for that. And what grade are you going into? I'm going into sixth. Sixth. Oh, you're going into seventh. Am I crazy? Okay, I'm crazy. Awesome. All right, so here is how the game show is going to work this morning. I have a set of two, count them, two questions we are going to ask our lovely experts this morning. They, like you, have never heard these questions before. (gasps) Crazy, right? So what's going to happen is I'm going to ask them these questions, and they are going to give you their expert opinion in 15 seconds or less. Ooh, we're so excited. So all right, we're going to ask the first question. Are you ready, contestants? Maybe. Are you ready, audience? All right, here we go. The first question, my friends, is what is love? Go. It's kind of like if you see someone you like, you might fall in love, and that means you get married to them. Good answer. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, Leah, what is love? Love is like when you show respect and like when you care for someone. Ooh, also good answer. All right, our second question. Are you ready, contestants? All right, our second question is, what do you do with love? Or how do you use love? Go! Uh, You use it to have babies? Oh, do you? That's good. Is that your final answer? Cool. Okay. And Leah, if you can recover. (laughs) How do you use love that's not baby related? Um, you can use love by, like, when you find something really cool. Because, like, I once found a feather that I really liked, and now I'm emotionally attached to it. Good. Perfect. Give our contestants a round of applause. Thank you, friends. 
Thank you for tuning in to the first and only segment of What is Love. That was some stellar answers, um, some good giggles. You can see now, maybe I should have asked them beforehand. I don't know. I like the raw excitement of it all. So. Thank you, thank you. So we are talking about this idea of what is love, and it's so fun to have our kids share with us and give us their expert opinions on this thing called love. Um, but they also revealed something to us, that love and how you live it out can actually be really hard to define. Um, I'm betting that it's not just our kids who are going to have differing opinions and thoughts on what this thing called love is, but that in fact, if we asked every single person in this room they might have a different answer than the person next to them. So our scripture this morning actually gets right to the root of what this thing called love is, what you do with it, and how you use it. So if you could turn with me in your Bibles, on your Bible app, if you're online, Google it maybe. Um, but if you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of context about what we're reading just so we know uh, how to interpret it and really get the full goodness of what we're reading. So 1 John, like the book of John and the book of 2nd and 3rd John, are written by John. Surprise, surprise, as though we didn't know. But there is a reason that he decided to write these scriptures. And it's because at the time, in the early church, believers were really wrestling with this idea of like, what are we theologically supposed to believe? What are we behaviorally, how are we behaviorally supposed to act? And so there was a lot of contention and a lot of disagreement and butting heads. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I would dare to say the same is true today as it was back then. So John's writings cover a vast array of topics um, because he was trying to help people understand this is actually what you should believe. This is actually how you should live it out. So we're going we're gonna to continue reading and dive into it a little bit. Um, but before we do, I want to tell you our ice cream verse for the week. So if you walked in, if you're a kid or if you're a normal human being, you should have received this little card that says 1 John 3.18. If you didn't get one, there's still time to grab them. But this is our ice cream verse. And what an ice cream verse is, is it's literally a verse that you can go and have ice cream with someone and talk about it. And it'll be great and a good conversation. Um, but I actually have something very important to say about today's ice cream verse. Number one, it's 1 John 3.18. Number two, you should have gotten a card with it on it. And at the end of the service, if you can recite the verse to me, I actually have four gift cards to Corner Yogurt that you could win if you memorize such things. So kids and teens, this is especially for you. I got the goods right here. So memorize away during service. So 1 John 3.18. All right, let's dive into scripture together. So if you would look at 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18, here's what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How do you define love? How do you define 
love. Because every person is going to have a slightly different view on what this thing called love is because of outside influences. You just think about it. Culture is trying to tell us all the time what love is. We see that our families, the way they show love to us or the way they give love to others, that influences our perception of love. How many love songs are written in in music? And even reality TV gives it a shot at trying to define it with shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Love is Blind. We're all fixated on this thing called love. It's no wonder our experts had differing opinions and definitions of what love is. But John starts verse 16 by saying this. This is how we know what love is. Which gives us a clue that figuring out love, what it is, was just as hard for early Christians as it is for us today. And the good news is that God doesn't leave us to kind of puzzle piece it together and say, okay, kind of got a definition from here. I experienced a little bit over there and create our own definition. But he tells us straight up, this is love. And then he points to Jesus. In verse 16, the first part gives us our definition of love. And it says this, this is how we know what love is. It's pretty clear, this, this, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And isn't that the ultimate sign of love? That someone would die for us. Someone would literally give up their lives for us, let alone millions and millions of people. And if we go back to thinking about our theme verse for this series that says that love was lavished on us. Wow, love was lavished upon us. Even despite our brokenness, even despite our sin, it was lavished upon us. And this verse, verse 16, is pointing back to that fact. It's reiterating that fact. Love was lavish. Guys, we didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And yet, because of grace and compassion, God looked at his people and said, I want something better for you because I love you. Even despite your brokenness, even despite your sin, I'm going to give you the ultimate sign of grace by giving you my son because of grace and compassion. Grace and compassion. I think that love actually leads us to grace and compassion. They are byproducts of his great love. And they are tied into every part of it. See, like I said, we didn't earn it, and yet we're given it. That's grace. We don't deserve it, and yet it's bestowed upon us. That is compassion. See, grace and compassion are actually interwoven into the very character of God. In the Old Testament, compassionate and gracious are actually the very first descriptors and attributes of who God is. We see it in Exodus 34, 6, when it says, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. It's literally the first thing to describe him, which gives us a clue that it's important. And here, books and books and books of the Bible later, we're seeing it again. Exodus is in the beginning of the Bible. First John is near the end, and you see it interspersed all the way through, which tells us that God is consistent. His character is never changing. And what was the same for the, for the new believers of the early church is the same for us 
today, there's a theme. And I've noticed that oftentimes, for us as people, we view these concepts of love, of grace, of compassion as passive. Meaning that there's not a lot of doing involved, not a lot of moving. But I actually think that that's wrong. In fact, love, grace, and compassion are extremely Active, And if you don't believe me, let's go back to verse 16. Because it doesn't say that Jesus loved us, even though we know he does. Kind of clear. But it actually is describing Jesus' actions. And then we are given actions in the next part of the verse when it says, And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John is telling us exactly what active grace and compassion look like. There's a physical response that happens as a result. See, John's pretty clear. God sent his son out of grace and compassion. Jesus died out of grace and compassion for us. And if we are following in in Jesus's footsteps, then we too are moved to lay down our lives in the same way that he did for us. As we move into verses 17 and 18, they actually get more specific on what this looks like in our lives. You'll see with me in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Earlier this summer, we were able to take our middle schoolers on a little summer camp trip. We went camping in Nevada City, and it was awesome. Uh, And on our way back, we stopped at a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant known as In-N-Out. And it was delicious. We love it. And uh, we were finishing up our meals, and two students came up to me, Caden and Ian. And they came up and said, hey, Hannah, we saw that there are some homeless gentlemen outside, and we bought them some food. Can we go give it to them? I said, by all means, don't let me stop you. Go. You didn't even have to ask. Just like, be free. But my question is, why did they do that? Why did they buy those things for those homeless gentlemen? Because grace and compassion led them to. They were being tangible examples of verse 17. See, they saw someone without material possessions, a brother or a sister, and they had pity on them. And the love of God was in them and convicted them to go and give them what they needed. See, these verses are telling us how crucial active grace and compassion are to us as believers. If we are not exuding active grace and compassion, then can the love of God even be within us? So how do we actually live that out? What does this look like in our lives? What does this uh, look like to have grace and compassion and being moved to it? When I was in junior high, um, I had a pretty rough year. Now, middle school for a lot of people is pretty rough, but my last year, uh, my family went through some stuff. My grandfather passed away, my dad lost his job, and we had to move in a really short amount of time. And as a middle schooler, that's a lot of events to try and process and work through. And I kind of started to get in this funk. It's feeling kind of weird, didn't really know how to describe it. Has anyone else felt kind of funky before? I would dare to say like COVID has probably made us feel in a bit of a funk. 
the isolation, the frustration, the worry, the fear. That's what that funk looks like. And so being a junior higher and not really knowing how to process all of it, I ended up kind of sliding into a depression because I didn't know what to do, how to pull myself out, how to process these things that were going on. And as time went on, a couple months later, it was nearing my birthday. I didn't really want to celebrate. I was, remember, in that funk. And my small group leader actually um, helped me celebrate. My small group leader, her name's Sarah Fisher. She's a pastor over in Davis. She was my small group leader for six years, my mentor, one of my best friends, and actually someone who I worked with and for. And on my 14th birthday, she handed me this. A simple composition notebook that she had decorated with my name, some fun little decorations on the back, and inside she had written me a note, and I want to read you part of it. I pray that this next year would be one in which you are challenged and grow in the Lord. I hope that you can use this journal to do quiet times, journal your thoughts and prayers, write out verses you like, etc. Journaling has helped me a ton in my walk with God, and I pray it does the same for you, even in the midst of the hard. See, extending grace and compassion doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be simple. This is active grace and compassion. See, we just need to show up and show we care. And that is exuding active grace and compassion. And if you're wondering to yourself, man, that sounds great for you, but like I don't know if me showing someone grace and compassion actually matters, actually makes a difference. It did for me. We've been using this bucket analogy to talk about our souls, to talk about the holes in our souls and filling up in the well of God's love. Here's my question for us. Are we actually filling ourselves up in the well of God's love? Are we overflowing with grace and compassion as a result of God's great love? See, what happens is when we dip our buckets into the well of God's love, we are choosing to fill ourselves with active grace and compassion as it is a byproduct of that love. And then it overflows in our pursuit and care of other people. But what does this actually look like? You might be thinking, I haven't filled up my bucket in a long time. That's okay, there's always time to start. Why not now? When we fill our buckets with active grace and compassion, it can look so simple. It can look something like this. I can give my partner the benefit of the doubt when we disagree. I can buy food for a homeless person just like Caden and Ian. I can pray for that person who cut me off in traffic. I can engage with someone who is hard to love. I can serve and get involved in ministry and in the life of the church. Every time that we fill our buckets with compassion and grace. We are rooting ourselves in Jesus. 
the giver of true love, compassion, and grace. See, living out love this way is to walk step in step with Jesus. Wow. Dear children, let us not love in words and speech, but with actions and in truth. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And I want to do that right now. So are there any kids, any people who have memorized this verse as we've been talking? I would love to give you some ice cream. I sure would. But the question is, has anyone done it? Even just give it your best shot. Who knows? You might luck out. I don't know. Anyone? Any takers? Ooh, come on up, Miss Naomi. All right, my friend, I need you to say the verse for me. Ready? Dear children, let us not love you with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 3.18. This is for you, ma'am. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, we got another friend right here. What's your name, ma'am? I'm Tiffany. (gasps) Tiffany. All right, girl, you ready? Yes. Go for it. 1 John 3.18. Let us, dear children, let us not love with words or with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Oh, crushed it. All right. That was incredible. Oh, Miss Leah, I see a hand up. Come on over. All right. Dear children, let us not love in words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 3.18. Yes! That's awesome. I have one more gift card. Oh, my goodness. Come on up, friends. Yeah, you can come, too. You guys, are, I got one left, so you can split it. So, ready? Combined reading? Come on up. All right, friends, go for it. 1 John 3.18. Dear children, do not let us love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Woo! Here you are, my friends. Man, I just got to say, that's pretty incredible that we had so many kids memorize it in an hour time. Think of what you could do if you spent an hour just memorizing that verse. How would that change your life? We've been doing this thing called Lectio Divina as a spiritual practice together where we're in the scripture and we're we're meditating on it and reading it and seeing where the spirit may take us. And so this morning, instead of just talking about it, I want to do it with all of you to allow us to really sit in that verse we just heard our kids so wonderfully tell us. So we're gonna, I'm going to read verse 18 over you and to you. And as I do, I want you to think about this question. How will you, yes, you, how will you respond to God's active grace and compassion? How will you respond to God's active grace and compassion? If you'll close your eyes. I want to read this verse over us three times, and then we'll close. 
verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Father, we thank you for your great love. God, that it's not passive, but in fact is extremely active. God, that you've given us this grace and compassion that, God, we, we, had, we couldn't earn it. We, we don't deserve it. We are sinners, and yet you gave it to us because of your great love and care for us. Father, this week, would you show us how we can possibly respond to your great and active grace and compassion. Lord, we love you, and we're so excited to see how you move and what you do. It's in your holy and gracious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC